Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. Very excited about our guest today. We're going to have a very well-rounded conversation. I can tell it's going to be exciting for the five minutes we've had a chance to get to know each other already. And I believe we have Aaron Velke to thank for the introduction, Rhonda. Is that we right? Do. We okay, do. Thank so, you, Aaron. Yep. Shout out to Aaron, who's fast become a, a great friend and, and a business buddy and uh, somebody who's been introducing us to some really cool people. So we're excited to share what you two are up to today. Please welcome to the studio with me, Rhonda Ray-Sitch. I can do it. Uh, Professional athlete and speaker. And with her today is the founder of Alley Tap Room, Leah Wade. Welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah. So who wants to start first? How we always start our segments is, you know, tell us a little bit about you, how you got here, what you're working on. And then I know you've shared some questions and topics that you want to make sure we cover. So I'll be keeping an eye on those. But we like this just to be a well-rounded conversation. I'm I'm looking at you. I'm going to make you start, Leah, right? Is that fair, Leah? (laughs) Fair. I was going to make her start. (laughs) I figured as much as why I was was giving you the evil eye. Tell us about you, Rhonda. And um, yeah, you've, you've had quite a, quite a life. I have. I have. I'm a professional racquetball player. First picked up racket when I was two. Actually, I played racquetball and basketball throughout my youth. And even though basketball is my first love, I kind of found myself having a lot of success in racquetball a lot earlier in my life than I thought I would. So qualified for the U.S. team, uh, younger than I thought I would, decided to jump onto the pro tour, see what I could do with racquetball when it wasn't kind of, you know, my side thing next to basketball and uh, ended up making the finals of my first ever U.S. Open, uh, finished my rookie season ranked number three in the in the world. And I decided, huh, I could do this for a while. So been been at it. Um, taking a bit of a hiatus this year, though, to really focus on, I'm writing a book, and also my uh, speaking career. I've, all, I've actually been doing speaking throughout my athletic career, but everything just kind of fell into my lap. And it was something that I enjoyed, and I knew that I wanted to pursue it at some point. It just sort of never seemed like the right time to to put that time and effort into it because it's, you know, it, it does require, you know, as much focus as competing. And at some point I kind of decided like, oh, I know, I'll try to get speeches scheduled in the cities that I have tournaments in. I'll just spend an extra few days. And that was a great idea. And uh, I, I was never able to execute it. So now I'm actually just taking taking a little little time out from the tour. I am still on the US, the USA team. And I, I will continue to compete for Team USA this year in in our qualifying events to make the team for next year and also in our events that that I already qualified for uh, this past year. So still competing, but taking a break in order to put more time and energy and focus into actually developing the speaking career um, at the level that I'd like to be at. And write the book, of course, because that doesn't happen over tonight. Yeah, tell us about the book. So the book, I have to give this beautiful being credit for uh, coming up with the title. Um, oh. <laughs> well, it's really you. What? I mean, you used those words. I, I, just... I did. I did. I just, it never occurred to me that that should be the title. I, I, I think it's, I think it's extremely suitable. And you're going to tell us, you're going to make <laughs> yes, us, I'm going to keep you, I'm going to keep you in suspense. <laughs> so the title is going to be Never Off My Feet. And that, that is directly correlated to an attack that, um, I was violently attacked in Hermosa Beach in 2008. Two guys with brass knuckles blitzed me from behind. They shattered the right side of my face. My eyeball almost fell out. Had to have facial reconstructive surgery. And then six weeks later, I went to the World Championships in Ireland and won without losing a single Whoa. game. I couldn't even eat solid food yet. Um, 
So we can talk about that story later. But there's a, there's a little intro into Jeez. a little a little sneak peek behind the curtain for where the book's going to go. Okay. <laughs> wow. Well, that took a radical turn. It did. It took, and, a, and, it took a hard left, didn't it? And it needed to, clearly, because it's what your experience has been and has what has led you to where you are today. Correct. Uh, Leah, yes. if you'll introduce yourself, I'm going to have you come up on that microphone a little oh, bit more sure. as well. Yeah. And tell us about you and then how do you fit into this picture with Rhonda, in addition to the other ones listening so intently to your friend and saying, gee, I think this ought to be the title. Right. Well, I was a professional dancer and acrobat, actually, for most of my life. My first uh, professional gig was when I was 16. I was leaving high school early to perform in a show in a theme park in Memphis, Tennessee. So um, I've been a dancer and acrobat pretty much my whole life. And then uh, moved to Vegas when I was 21, you know, worked professionally for many years. And then at some point, I was like, okay, I can't do this forever, unfortunately. You know, your body just won't. So I finished my degree, but living like a nine to five life was never super appealing to me. So I started bartending as a, until I figure out what I'm going to do job. And I made such a good living at it, uh, afforded myself, you know, a lifestyle by the beach in California and traveling internationally. And I started supervising major events like the VMAs, catering for the VMAs. And I just ended up staying in hospitality for many years. And then when COVID happened, I lost both my jobs. I was working in two different music venues Mm -hmm. and I lost both of my jobs. Mm -hmm. And I already knew that I wanted to start my own business. I just really hadn't, you know, pulled the trigger, so to speak, on doing that. It's obviously a huge leap and I would be investing my own money and... Basically, COVID just changed things for me. It changed my mentality and gave me the time to sit down and write a business plan and really decide what I wanted to do and how my expertise would be best utilized. So uh, I wrote a business plan and my sister was or uh, lives out here in Mesa. And we knew we wanted to move my mom out here to, well, she's already semi-retired, but we knew we wanted to move my family out here. So it was all just a timing thing that came together um, in part because of COVID happening, which, you know, pushed me forward in that plan. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Phoenix on November 4th. I just had my two-year anniversary here on November 4th of 2020. Wow. We moved my mom out here a year later and, you know, I developed my concept, Alley Tap Room. And I've been looking for a building, a space to lease basically for about the last year. It's been hard. It's, when Rhonda and I talked pre-show, that's what you were speaking to, that she's all ready to go. Everything is in place. <laughs> just needs the space. Yes. Yeah. And we talked about the possibility of having you guys on, you know, once you land in the space and getting ready to launch. And I said, well, come back and do that again. However, let's let the Phoenix business community know that you're looking for a place and how this partnership is all coming together so that we can help you find that location. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. I haven't been Apparently, I was not the only person with the idea to move to Phoenix and start a business. <laughs> really? I really felt like I was going to be the only one in my mind. So the inventory, you know, building-wise is yeah. just not there. You know, I thought with COVID, there would be a lot of empty spaces. I, I believe at one time, I know Phoenix statistically had the largest number of businesses who had not reopened post-COVID. But... For whatever reason, you know, that hasn't 
manifested in being this, you know, huge inventory to choose from. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just, there's very little out there. Yeah. Where specifically do you, what do you have in mind? Downtown, uptown, midtown, you know, between the sevens, Seventh Ave, Seventh Street is, you know, where I'm primarily looking, but Mm -hmm. I recognize due to, you know, my liquor license has, you know, I only have until October of next year for my liquor license. So, you know, at some point I may have to venture outside to other areas. I just feel like demographic wise and based on my concept, you know, it makes more sense for me to be in a more progressive area, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, downtown Phoenix. Yeah. Love it. Now, tell us how the two of you connected. I used the word friend earlier, and I got this very sweet (laughs) note from our producer who said her partner. (laughs) So I know that. I I want our listeners to know that as well. Thank you, Daryl, for that. Uh, How did you two connect? What's the magic and synergy here? I know that you had used the the phrase for me, you're becoming this power couple, which clearly that's evident. So what's, what's the story? You both can can interact and, and tell the story. She winked at me. I mean, that's really all it comes <laughs> down to. I did. She winked at me. And there's there's some debate now about whether the wink was intentional or, or like a spasm from her <laughs> face from the reconstructive surgery. <laughs> so we argue about that. But at the end of the day... And I said nervousness, but it wasn't that. It was either just a physical thing that you couldn't control, Rhonda, or oh, intentional. No. It, it was intentional. And then when she called me on it, I was like, uh, no, that was a twitch. That was all time. That was definitely intentional. And, that, and as soon as I did it, I was like, oh, what did, did I she do? see that? Did she see that? Did I do that? Or did I think I did that? It was just this mortifying walking away like, oh, uh-huh. is that good or bad? She winked. Turned out to be great. Or winked intentional or not and I gave her my number and then there was a coffee date in there it wasn't a date a meetup <laughs> there, there was a coffee uh, <laughs> yeah a sharing of coffee yeah. that we will not call a date and then several conversations lots of talking on the phone and because at the time you were well and you still are part-time in LA yes and yep. you're here correct yeah. yeah so this was this had to be long distance and still kind of is at the moment yeah. At the moment. Yeah, I yeah. have been in LA but for the last month. month and um, a half. But I'll be yeah. back at the end of November. So I, I'm I'm just in my mind, I'm gonna sign a lease before the end of the year. Well, that's I just really want to help you do there. that. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Yes. So good. Yeah, it's I'm actually home. I've been working the Harry Styles shows in LA, which he's got like that I don't think he, all, that has to suck. Well, it's 15 nights. Oh gosh. And he got sick, so he canceled four shows is essentially why I'm here. So oh. I just came back really quickly, and we got in last night, night before? Night before. Night before. Night before. So it's just been so—I haven't been home in literal weeks, so it's been so nice just to sleep in my own bed, and um, I'm going to see my mom for the first time. Late, we're going to leave here and go straight to my God. mom's house, so it's been really nice. And then I'll fly back to L.A. on Wednesday. Yeah. So I, I want to hear about the concept for the tap room. I, of course, I want to hear more about the book and, and what kind of speaking gigs are your favorite and who we can get you in front of, all that. So maybe we start with that. Oh boy. <laughs> um, you already talked a little bit about the book. Can you take us? We, we kind of did this abrupt stop after you said that you were brutally attacked. And I feel like um, it would be remiss if we didn't go back to that. So to the degree that you're willing to talk about it, and I, I'm guessing that you are because you're writing a book about it and it's become part of your speaking 
correct? Correct. Yeah. So tell us about the book. Who is it intended for? Where is there, is there healing in it for you? I don't actually feel like it, it's a, it's not a traumatic experience for me. It's not something that completely upended my life. It's just something that happened. Um, if anything, I gained more from that experience than I lost. I have no no triggers talking about it whatsoever. I, I'm, I'm happy to discuss it. In the interest of time, I'll give you the elevator version. Yeah. I was walking along the Strand in Hermosa Beach late at night. Two guys came up from behind, blitzed me with brass knuckles. I took about 12 to 15 shots to my face and head, and I kind of turned around and squared up. You know, you hear about fight, flight, or freeze, and I did none of the above, but I feel like whatever you would label that, it should start with the letter F as well. I didn't scream. I didn't cry. I didn't run. I didn't call for help. I mean, of course, I wanted to hit back. Like once I turned around and squared up and the hitting stopped, I wanted to hit back. But instead, I was just sort of micro-evaluating every nanosecond to make sure that, oh, okay, do I need to defend myself or not? But I'm not going to escalate this if I don't have to, because as soon as I turned around, my immediate thought was, I have worlds in six weeks. I don't want to break my hand on one of their stupid faces and not be able to hold my racket and go play for my country. So I intentionally chose not to hit back if I didn't have to. There were some words I think that they were, I guess, a little surprised that I was never off. I was never unconscious. I was never off my feet. I was never on the ground. Later on, the police would say that that probably saved my life because that's just such an unexpected reaction after taking those hits. And I'm not going to say I wasn't, you know, in, in some kind of, you know, adrenaline shock, but, you know, being able to have that presence of mind of what the situation is and what it's not. I mean, that very first hit, I remember feeling like my face just shifted this way. Like everything over here was now over here. And it did. It did. I mean, it did technically. Yeah. But it, it, it was, it was less, it was less, not, I don't remember the feeling of a sensation of pain, but I remember the sound. I remember the sound that it made feeling my bones crack and move. And before I could actually finish processing what just happened, you know, the next shot came from the other direction and then just kind of back and forth between the two of them. And I wasn't aware that they had brass knuckles at the time until I turned around and squared up and I saw that they were both wearing them. So there was a, a little exchange of words I didn't participate in. I don't really remember what they said at that time. I think they were a little freaked out that I turned around and squared up and they ended up kind of running off. One of them said, come on, dude, somebody's going to see, somebody's going to catch us or something like that. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, they ran off this way. I started to walk home that way. And I had my my right hand over my over the side of my face because I thought my eyeball was gonna fall out. You remember that uh remember that first Pirates of the Caribbean movie where his his eyeball his wooden eyeball kept falling yes. out and he's chasing it all over the ship deck the whole movie? You're picturing this. <laughs> I'm picturing this. And my whole <laughs> my mind, I'm like, oh my God, if this falls out, it's gonna get sand in it. They're not gonna be able to put it back in. It's gonna be gross. Like I can't let this fall out. Well, as I'm walking home, then I hear something, I turn around and it is one of them coming back at me again, still with the brass knuckles on, and he's running at me like he's gonna Superman punch me. So as I got my right hand over here, I put my left hand out and I'm like, dude, just stop. Just stop. Calmly. Very calmly. And I did that for two reasons. One, I did want him to stop. But the other reason is I have one eye. I have no depth perception. I got my left hand out in front so I can feel if he moves in any closer and I need to defend myself at this point. And at the, I mean, in the back of my mind somewhere, I'm thinking, you chicken, chicken legs, you know, you guys blitzed me from behind two on one the first time. I didn't see it coming. Now you're right in front of me. You're going to come at me again. I will defend myself if I have to. So that's why I had my left hand out there. And I cannot repeat what he said to me on radio, but he very explicitly said that he would kill me where I stand and didn't care about going to prison. He would end my life. No qualms about it. 
I like to add too, this was completely unprovoked. That, that, yeah. yeah. She I was, was just yeah. walking home from the store yeah. and in Hermosa where there's almost no crime. It's, you know, it's just a very bizarre event that happened. Random. Yeah. It was random. Completely random. Yeah. So at that point when he threatened my life, dropped my right hand, still couldn't see, made two fists. And I said, okay, then kill me. Go ahead. I'm right here. Kill me. And that wasn't an invitation. It was, or, or even a surrender because in my mind, my literal thought was, I don't care that you're a guy. I don't care that you have a weapon. I don't care that you're bigger than me. I hit for a living and I know how to generate force. So you may very well end my life tonight, but I will hurt you on the way down. So if we're going to do this, then let's go. <sighs> and he never threw another punch. He kind of looked me up and down, made this weird little hissy noise and ran off again. I'm like, okay, that's twice you've run away and I have never thrown a punch. Are we done now? I uh, proceeded to go upstairs. I was thinking, man, I really hope that I can find some Advil or something because it's going to be sore in the morning. It never occurred to me to call the cops. Never occurred to me that I was going to need to go to the hospital. Really? Never occurred to me the extent of the damage that I had just sustained. Walked in, my girlfriend at the time, uh, she and her friend were inside. Didn't even really know that I just walked in. I kind of started fishing for the Advil. And then she said something to me and she saw my face and she started, oh my God, what happened? I said, I got hit. <laughs> She goes, by who? I don't know. Two guys downstairs. Why? I'm like, I don't know. You want to go ask them? <laughs> I have no idea. Anyway, her friend during that three-sentence conversation called 911. They were there in yeah. what felt like two and a half seconds. And I went to a little company of Mary a Hospital in Torrance, California, which was an incredible hospital, I might add. Before I was so fully medicated, I was able to fully absorb. I mean, I thought hospitals like that only existed on an episode of House. I mean, it was incredible incredible building, incredible staff, incredible doctors, ended up having to get a uh, facial reconstructive surgery 10 days later because they had to wait for the swelling to go down. Surgery was supposed to take four to five hours. Mine took over 12 because they didn't, the scans didn't accurately show the extent of the damage that they had to, like the multitude of bone fragments that they had to remove before they could actually begin reconstruction. So yeah, all of that had got jumped on June 1st. I had facial reconstructive surgery June 11th and July 27th. I left for Ireland with Team USA. Went and played Worlds. And which I had to fight for my spot, by the way. I mean, I was... Because they were worried about what had happened? They were, I mean, when, well, when I had a conversation with uh, our US team coach at the time, you know, he finished the conversation. He, he, how are you doing? What happened? All the details. And at the end of the conversation, he starts to hang up. And he's like, oh, well, get better, kid. We're going we're gonna to be playing our asses off for you. I'm like... Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to be right there with you playing my ass off too. Oh. And he's like... He kind of, he's like, you can't go. I'm like, excuse me? Oh, don't you dare take this away from me. This is, world is the reason I didn't hit back. You Don't you dare take this away from me. Like, this is, this is why I'm getting up trying to get better so fast so that I can go. And he was pretty adamant about it. And so are you. <laughs> well, yeah. So I, I actually fell into a, a pretty deep depression for a few days. I don't remember how long, but I was really upset. And then I knew that I, I couldn't stay there or I wasn't going to heal. So I sent him an email, I copied the board on it, and I said, um, Dear Dave, apparently whether or not I go to the world championships is not up to me. But whether or not I am ready to be the world champion is entirely up to me. So you have your meetings and your phone calls and you do what, whatever you feel is honestly in the best interest of Team USA. That's all I want. But just so you know, whether I go to Ireland or not, I will be ready to be the world champion by July 27th. And as soon as I will have goosebumps right now, <laughs> as soon as I hit send, I knew that like I had to release any expectation of an outcome and just go about my business as if I'm going to go be the world champion because that's what I just, I had to honor that for myself being the reason that I didn't 
raise a fist to defend myself. That's the piece you could own. Yeah, yeah. I had I had to let go of whatever I couldn't control beyond their, you know, with their decision making, but I could control my readiness should I get called on. And a few weeks later, I went and played in an outdoor tournament. I think I entered three divisions. I might have won one of them. I don't remember, but I remember being pissed that I didn't win all three. And again, I, this all happened in June. I didn't even sol- eat solid food until October. But uh, <laughs> uh, Dave came down to evaluate me and he said, wow, that's, I didn't expect that. He's like, I'm, I'm impressed. We had a long discussion about, yeah, but what about this? What about that? I mean, what do the doctors say? Anyway, it came down to this sentence for him. I said, Dave, I don't need my face to hit the ball. My arms and my legs still work. He laughed. He's like, well, I didn't think about it that way. But apparently that was the, that was the perspective that, that changed his mind. And he said, I, I do think that Ronda is the best option we have for our world, our world championship team. And I got to go. And I, 64 days after facial reconstruction, or 64 days after the attack, 53 days after facial reconstructive surgery, and 29 days after voluntarily ceasing all pain medication against medical advice, I went and I won the world championships without losing a single game. Wow. Like I didn't even go tiebreaker. I I don't think I've ever done that in any other tournament. Yeah. So that was that's probably my my proudest title. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. And how there's no video of that? I don't understand. What do you mean? There is. I asked Pablo for it. He's, wait, wait, he's looking. Whoa, whoa. What do you you can't find it. I don't know. I've never seen it. Like I've never seen this of the win. Matches? Yeah. Surely there's. Guys. I know there's video. I I you asked Pablo for it, it twice. I he he said I he's got to dig Pablo it up. Pablo is, but Pablo, <laughs> get, Pablo, get, get on, on it. That. <laughs> Stat. Pablo, we're calling Stat. you out. Right. <laughs> Incredible. And remind me again when you two met. This was how long after? So I got attacked in 2008. However, I do still have excruciating daily pain, ten out of ten on a pain scale every day. And but I again I. I gained more than than I lost that night. Yeah. I the biggest lesson I learned from that is that nothing happens to you, it happens for you. Yeah. And I, you know, another question I get quite frequently when I tell that story is, you know, if you knew that was going to happen, would you still have been walking down the strand that night? And I'm like, yeah, actually I would. Knowing how how everything is, yes, my pain level is extreme, but I learned so much. I I I learned I was prepared for the whole all right, get back on the horse, you know, mentally, physically get ready to go compete again. I was ready for that. I was not emotionally prepared for the outpouring of support that I got. Wow, I can relate to that. I can so relate to that. Yeah, I mean, I I literally got my face shattered. Didn't cry. I found out I needed facial reconstructive surgery. Didn't cry. I had to listen to my mother's shriek at the other end of the phone when she found out. I didn't cry. In fact, I told her, I said, Mom, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's all good. It's nobody, no, you're hurt. I'm like, Mom, I'm fine. They didn't rape me. They didn't rob me. They didn't kill me. I'm fine. I just took some shots to the face. It'll be fine. And that's truly how I felt. Like, I, I've never felt like a victim from that experience. But I was not prepared when I got home from the hospital after the reconstruction for this giant bouquet of flowers and the most heartwarming cards with these, I mean, the, the cards, the, the messages, the voicemails, the, the flowers, the gifts, the umpteen tournaments that were you know, held across the country and, and probably even in, in other countries, actually, now that I think about it, that that were ge- generated for as fundraisers, yeah. you know, to, I'm like, I was not emotionally prepared for that, for what happened to me to have that impact on the community. What, and do, you, it, what do you think that's about? How I might have my own idea. <laughs> I think that, I mean, racquetball, 
really, how many of your listeners even know that there is a professional racquetball well, tour, that there is a U.S. team? I was going to admit that at some point. Yeah. And right? I, mean, I had to no. me, 80, To me, racquetball was an 80s sport, and I was super glad we had it at the, at the high school. I was not good at playing. And I had no idea. But that's but that's just it. Like exactly what you just said. Yeah. Everyone like like no one knows that there's a pro tour. No one knows that we have our Grand Slam tournaments. No one knows that we have the international events that we do. No one knows that we have our our U.S. team. Our Olympic and, team. Yeah. yeah. And no. yet those that do know you but, and love you. Well, but even those that don't, everyone's got a racquetball story. Oh yeah. Everyone <laughs> has either played at some point or their uncle was their state I champion. I can still hear the sound. But, yeah. Yeah. Of the ball. everyone has yeah. a racquetball story. It's but you know the. The two most common are, oh, I used to play, or my dad or my uncle or my mom used to play, mm-hmm. one of those. And then the other the other side of that coin is, oh, yeah, I used to play all the time until I got hit. I'm like, well, get out of the way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Everyone's got that racquetball story. So, you know, I'm trying I'm trying to get it out there. Like every plane ride I've had where I sit next to someone. So are you going to South Carolina for business or pleasure? I'm like, well, both because I love my job. You know, yeah. I mean, I literally get to play ball for a living. It's yeah. great. But at the same time, you know, the, the the sport itself needs needs a wider audience and and it deserves one. I mean, it's an incredible sport. She never, I don't even know if she knew what racquetball was before we met, let alone <laughs> that there's an international Let's give her team. some credit, Lee, did you? I <laughs> knew that there were courts that a sport called racquetball was played on. a racket Thank and you a ball. very much. And but a person. Now, yeah, but, 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 now she, but now she's hooked. I mean, it is engaging. Yeah. Oh, no, I am more... She like watches into more, it yeah. than she is. I mean, I give her the updates on because she's not playing the tour really right yeah. now. And so I'll watch the matches online and, and say, oh my God, so-and-so beat so-and-so today. You know, I'm in the forums. I'm in the groups online. Yeah. I'm like heavy into the racquetball she's now. Deep. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it does, it, and it deserves that attention. It deserves that audience. It's so, it's such an athletic game. The stamina is just incredible how fast the game is. And I mean, I consider myself a fairly athletic person. I've raced triathlons and done really well. I grew up in sports. I, you know, was an acrobat and a dancer. So I have yet to play and I tell her we should as long as she recognizes I'm 1 million percent going to get mad and leave because I'm going to be terrible at it. And you don't like to be terrible at things. I don't, uh-huh. no. Yeah, got it. No. <laughs> Familiar. Uh, yeah. I have so many relatable things, but it's not my job to, to tell you all the things that are relating in my mind. I'm just thrilled that, that I can make these connections. And by the way, I would imagine as you're standing on stage and speaking to people, or even in this case, you know, it's it's uh, streaming right now on your TikTok and on, on LinkedIn from our page, I get to be only a handful of feet away from you and you're beautiful. And I'm looking for evidence of this incredible tragic experience and and they've done an amazing job. I don't know what you look like beforehand, but is is there did they do a great job? Yes. Yeah. They did. She claims there's a difference and tries to show me older photos. And I guess when she points it out that you can see a difference, yeah. but no. I mean they did an incredible job. And and she forgot to mention she had so the attack was in 2008, but she had another surgery in March of last year, last year and now last she's year. slated to have yet another one uh, because she's just in constant pain and they're trying to figure out, you know, what screws and plates they can possibly re- remove to try to alleviate some of her pain. Right. So, you know, it's not like it happened in 2008 and she had surgery and, Done. you know, now it's just over. I mean, it's something that she'll deal with for the rest of her life. It, uh, Warren's asking, were these two men caught? Did not, it? no. Never. No, and they didn't even... Um, by her accounts, they the Hermosa Beach Police Department did not seem to care. 
They mean, didn't even come to interview me about it until two wait. weeks after it happened. They, they call so nine one one ambulance came, got you to the hospital. No police report at the hospital. Nope. I think that there what there wasn't a police no. report. Not at the hospital. I mean, she no. was, you know, willing to do the sketch artist thing, and they right. were like, eh, they said not no. interested. They didn't go to the convenience store that she had gone to, and the men had also gone to who had video footage of the guys. They never went to the convenience store and talked to the clerks, the owners, none of that. Found out, found out from the guys in the convenience store that they had gone in there the following day and were bragging about it. And they had their faces on camera and everything. And they that's they're like, oh, that was you? Oh man, yeah, they were in here. They were in here a few days ago, bragging about what? it. We didn't know that was you. They were literally across the street. Can I ask why you didn't make more of a fuss or focus on that more and having them get caught and holding them responsible? Well, a lot of people were doing that on my behalf. Okay. In fact, a a, a very good friend who was a the owner of a com- previous company that um, sponsored me with clothing uh, was also a firefighter. And so he was good friends with the Hermosa fire chief. Yeah. And the fire chief was getting all over the police chief. And so they were getting it from all angles. There wasn't anything that I could have done that they weren't already doing. Okay. I don't know why they didn't care, though. Especially Hermosa, where nothing really happens. Right. It would seem to me that it would give you something to do, if <laughs> and, nothing and else. And it's unusual. It isn't un- yeah. commonplace, like, okay, we've got to prioritize this. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is unique and... And different. I mean, it, it was unique and different. Yes, and exactly. obviously warranted. Huh, that's fascinating. So when you speak, what are you hoping the takeaway is for people? So like I said, I, I really learned a lot about myself and a lot about certain things in life. And, and you know, maybe some of the things I already knew, but they took kind of a different shape mm-hmm. um, in, this, in this regard. The reason I want to speak is actually so much less about myself, but it's about, I've, I feel like, like I said, this is a gift. My, my daily pain is my daily reminder of everything that I have to be grateful for and that nothing happens to you happens for you. And side bonus, I know my fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of people don't, hopefully most people don't have to go through something like that to figure that out. Apparently I was okay with my life ending that night when, when it very well could have. Um, in fact, when I hit the winning shot at the world championships that year, I fell to my knees in tears for the first time because... Mm-hmm. I, I, my, my immediate thought was I'm not even supposed to be here. Not just that they weren't going to let me come play, but in addition to that, I could have died seven different ways that night and I'm still here. And so I feel like there's a reason I'm still here. And that, that is to use this experience, this, this new platform that I've been given to help people. And I've got a couple of different examples of that that really hit me profoundly. Like I said, I've been doing speaking my whole athletic career but then when this happened, it just gave me another thing to speak about where it's less about the professional athlete experience. It's more about the human experience of we all go through stuff. We all have mountains to climb. We all have bad things that we need to find a way to get through and learn from and, and grow and be stronger and better. So for me, one of them was speaking to a school full of kids where it was one of those schools where it's kind of like the last stop before the system gives up on them. And I had to go through three metal detectors walking in to speak and was escorted in by a police officer. A flood of kids came into the gymnasium, sat on the floor, and they were they they couldn't even pay attention enough for the administrators to introduce me. So I actually asked the police officer, I said, go get my racket and a ball real quick. They're like, what are you going to do? I'm like, just go get my racket and a ball out of the police car. You can't hit a ball in here. I'm like, I'm not going to hit it at anybody. Go get, go get my stuff. <laughs> so they did, and um, I just kind of waited for a minute and I could see them looking at me wondering what's going on and then just 
without warning, I just cracked a backhand as hard as I could against the, the side wall anyway. away from <laughs> away from away from everyone. Uh-huh. There's no chance it was going to go towards anyone. Right. Hit the wall, came right back to me and caught the ball, turned around, dead silence, pin drop. I'm like, go ahead, principal. <laughs> and they got to introduce you after that. <laughs> and they, yeah, then then they were able to they. They were they were kind of locked in, and yeah. I basically just told uh, my story that I just told you about the yeah. attack, and then and how I how I healed, and how I moved on from that, and and what I learned, and what that has meant to wow. me to that to that. And this is years later; it's like two, three, four years later. Mm-hmm. And watching the transformation of those kids, the the shift that I witnessed within them from the moment they walked in to the moment that they wouldn't let me leave and didn't want to. I mean, some of them were crying. Some of them wanted to ask more questions. Some of them wanted a hug. Some of them wanted to know if they could stay in touch. Like it, you could see that they had gained a glimmer of hope for themselves somehow. And when I realized that this experience might possibly be able to help people in that in that way, then why should I be selfish and keep this to myself? Let me share what I've learned, if nothing to give perspective and at least to get a conversation started with someone, you know, between, between family, between friends, between business partners, between whatever, figure out what, what we all need to heal, be stronger, be better, move forward, be successful. Mm. Rhonda's a certifiable badass. (laughs) No kidding. She really is. (laughs) Yeah. I, I'm I'm rarely speechless, <laughs> rarely speechless, and and always have another question or a deeper level to ask us to go, and and I'm, I just have to sit, you know, kind of in awe and curiosity. So yes, thank you for filling the void <laughs> when I didn't have the words, and and I wholeheartedly agree. What makes this partner sitting next to you and friend um, a badass in in your life, or is that a word that you would use to describe Leah? Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. There's that phrase of, you know, walk around like you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. That's her. I mean, she does have that walk. But 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 it's not it's not a facade though. Like that that is how she is. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's she's very strong. She's very smart. She's very strong-willed. I actually love that we have different strengths and weaknesses. Certain characteristics about her, I am definitely lacking. I'm I'm definitely like she's she's been so incredibly helpful to me uh, just growing as a person growing in, in, you know, the direction of my life. I mean, she, she's been more instrumental than she, she realizes as far as building this empire together, but making me a better person for doing it. I love that you say that when everyone meets Rhonda, anyone that meets her through me, you know, they always say, oh my God, she's so nice. <laughs> No one says that about me. Literally never. <laughs> she did point out that there's different characteristics and different traits that you both bring to the party. I mean, I don't I don't know why I don't have that same, you know, effect of she's so nice. I feel I don't know what it is, but Well, to be fair, I I've gotten I've gotten the, you know, you look like you're going to eat someone's children when you're playing, <laughs> but then off the court, you're so nice. Like uh-huh. you're like, I, like my, my personality doesn't match my, my image or, or per se. Unless you're on the court. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, like I, 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 I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not putting anything out either way. So, right. um, she, I think you're nice. She's Leah. more careful. <laughs> I would say she's 
more politically correct and careful with her words, and I am not. Uh-huh. <laughs> there is no filter. No. Yeah, you and I get along just fine. <laughs> well, and she she also, she, I mean, she's you can tell she's got very strong energy, mm-hmm. and a lot of people mm-hmm. are intimidated by that. Yeah. And I know in that in our in our coffee meeting that was not a date. I remember saying, "I'm like, I'm I'm not afraid of you." Yeah, <laughs> I. So people often, so many times in my life, have you know said later when they get to know me, "Oh, you, you know, you're so actually very warm." But I was very intimidated. You know, you intimidated me when you met me, and now I've kind of shifted my perspective. Am I intimidating, or are you just? easily intimidated, you know? Is there something, do I need to lower myself to your energy or do you need to bring yourself up to mine, Yep, you know? Yep, it's such an important distinction. I I, um, I have a 15-year-old and I've got two older kids too, but my 15-year-old, he's experiencing some of that at school with not only teachers, excuse me, not only friends, but also teachers. And my own version of that I've shared with him, like, you know, you don't have to turn down your light because somebody else is threatened. Continue to be you. And, and stand up for yourself right. <laughs> because they're being challenged to stand in the, in the same space for themselves. Yeah. And you're reflecting that back to them and it's scary for them or it's uncomfortable. Well, so especially it's great that you see that. I think male, female, particularly, mm-hmm. because this, this strong leader, bossy energy mm-hmm. from a man is leadership and from a woman, it's perceived differently. Yep. I've found that a lot, especially, you know, as I am opening my own business and, you know, the expectation of being quiet, you know, and I am just never going to be that. Right. So I love that about her. (laughs) Yes. I do. I I love that about her. So what part of your personality that we've described are you bringing into the taproom concept and and what part haven't we highlighted? How is the taproom different than any other place that you've bartended in or have been a participant in? Um, Well, I think oftentimes restaurants, bars, concepts are owned by money people, people who didn't necessarily work in the industry or who did for a short time and they lose their employee focus um, and their experience focus. And, you know, you cannot run a successful business unless it's a one-man operation. You cannot run a successful business without really happy employees. And I don't know why that is so lost Mm -hmm. on owners everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the employee morale has to be high. And when employees are happy and their morale is high, they want to give great service and they want to bring people back. And I think I've worked so most places I've worked that that is just not the case you know, working in the industry for so long and working for other people for so long, I'm so focused on, you know, just creating a vibe and an atmosphere that is all about a guest experience. And with that, my staff being completely happy and getting paid livable wages and coming to work and being happy to be there, not, you know, dreading showing up to work every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the guiding principles, do those become the guiding principles for your business or is there something beyond that? I mean, I'm, my integrity um, and ethics have always honestly become a problem for me as an employee because I, I'm a very black and white person, right and wrong. I have seen so many shady things done by management and owners over the years. 
that was one of the reasons that I knew I, I have to work for myself because I cannot keep being told to compromise my own ethics, integrity, and principles to make someone else money. Okay. This is really like killing my soul. So operating, you know, guiding principles for me are absolutely operating at the highest level of integrity at all times. Mm-hmm. I'll be one of your first customers. Good. And I don't even drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, I plan to have plenty of fresh pressed juices, mock down alcohol. I want to have a pretty extensive non-alcoholic menu um, with fresh pressed juices. I want to grow my own herbs. You know, there really is a trend right now towards people not drinking. In fact, Rhonda and I haven't drank for a month now. I just finished since, 90 days. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Since mm-hmm. October 7th. Yeah. So we're not even drinking right now, but there's definitely a, a trend in hospitality where people want to enjoy the, the social experience yep. Yep. without drinking alcohol. And they want a tasty drink that looks pretty and they can still Instagram it, you know, without, <laughs> yep. you know, it having alcohol in it. Yep. So... We will have something for you to enjoy. Perfect. And alcohol. food too. You'll have some something to nosh on. So I am, I am going to start without a kitchen per se, mm-hmm. no hot food. Sure. Um, but yes, I have found some vendors from the Phoenix farmers markets that I'm super excited to carry. You know, homemade hummus and salsa and some awesome. charcuterie boards and. Again, like using only local ingredients and, you know, offering something that's a little elevated of a snack, but not a full kitchen. You know, I, I've never run a kitchen and I want to make sure that I'm keeping my business centered around all the things that I'm an expertise in and running a kitchen ain't one of them. Yeah. So clarity, man, she's yeah. got clarity. She does. Very clear. And, and, yeah, and obviously you are too. It's just it's just a slightly different version of that, which is really super cool to see that thread. Were you gonna? I interrupted you. Were you gonna say something? Oh, I just I just wanted to throw in there too. You know, the the entire concept of Alley Tap Room is entirely locally, local everything, mm-hmm. locally sourced. You know, the small bites, locally sourced beer and wine, locally sourced artists, yep. locally like, like everything is meant to be reflection of of local Phoenix and Arizona culture and to give back to the community, to give back to those smaller businesses, to give back to our area. What's so great about that conversation is it goes back to what you and I talked about when we introduced ourselves to each other by phone and also our green room conversation. Uh, Daryl just yesterday went to the Arizona Fall Festival, which is what Local First Arizona put on. And I know we talked about having you consider becoming members. Uh, Hopefully Daryl can make that introduction with Thomas Barr and, and Kimber Landing they'll totally appreciate and embrace what you're doing, get you those great introductions that you may not already have. Clearly, you've you've got some connections. And I am quite confident they can help you find your spot. Awesome. Yes. In addition to Angel Huey with One Community, when you've talked about being a power couple, we haven't talked a lot about that today, but clearly it's evident. It's just the thread that's running through here. Uh, Angela would be an excellent advocate for everything that you guys are doing too. So I want to make sure that we we make those introductions and I'll let Daryl do it because I'm awful about those kinds of things. Thank you. Why the name Ellie Taproom? So Allie is, um, it's in reference to like art in alleyways that you kind of see in Europe. Um, I, I travel a lot. So that's, that was kind of what it was in reference to, mm-hmm. um, street art that you see kind of around when you're traveling. I didn't really spend a lot of time on the name. I just knew that I wanted a tie-in with art and people congregating and it just kind of made sense to me. And, and, you know, my logo has those L's that kind of form like an alleyway with art on either side, which I absolutely love. 
So, you know, just a way to, to tie in beer, wine, and art all yeah. together. Everyone's meeting in the alley to, you know, have the best sangria of their lives and, and talk about the incredible art around them. I'm telling you, you are going to love the local first Arizona, Arizona local first community. Kimber Landing, you're speaking her language. Uh, it's all around art and community and local and welcome to Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I don't I don't know that LA has really experienced this because it's so big and LA is so culturally culturally diverse and I love that about it. Uh when I moved to Arizona, you know, it's growing so fast and I think it's it's really easy to lose your identity when everything that's rolling in is Buffalo Wild Wings yeah, and right. you know, targets on every corner. And so I think it's you know, I've I've gotten the impression as I've, you know, met people, I, we pretty much stay in the downtown area all the time. We do not venture out. And there's so much growth, you know, we don't need to. But, you know, it's really important to these local residents that we keep some identity to this area. We, we don't want, you know, Starbucks on every corner. We want to go to those local coffee shops. And so I really do want to create that space that's community driven. And it, it's, you know, you're not going to find um, any national brand. Everything is going to be representative of, you know, someone local. Oh, this is, you know, Diane from down the street made these jams yesterday. Yep. You know, I, I really want to bring that to Phoenix. Another introduction, and maybe it just showed up for you too, Daryl, Jesse and Gabe at Brick Road Coffee. If you can do that for us as well. They have just, I think it's just been over a year, close to a year. It is here in Tempe and it's a coffee house and it is, their whole commitment has been to community and giving the LGBTQ community specifically a very safe place, especially some of our younger kids to come and simply be who they are. And it's one of the neatest coffee shops that you'll ever be a part I of. I think they're on my list, actually. Okay, good. Yeah, so I have let's, a list let of places us make that introduction. Yeah. yeah, they've become good friends and um, they are my annex when I'm not here. I'm there. And so I think it'd just be another fantastic connection and, and somebody that can help make some of those introductions because they're, you know, they're only a year or two ahead of you. Uh, and they have an amazing PR company as well. Uh, that, that might be worth even an introduction to. Wow. We're rounding out our conversation today. I'm really honored to meet both of you. And again, I want to give a shout out to Aaron Belke for knowing that you and I would, would really connect. And I'm glad you guys both got to come today because I think you'd said, now I know you said I could bring someone. Does this make sense? I'm like, yes, it makes perfect sense. Uh, and we weren't sure if you'd get to be in the studio with us. And I'm like, we can yeah. bring her on remotely, but I'm so pleased that this worked, yeah, out. worked and, out. And thanks, Harry Styles. For, for <laughs> Thank you. you didn't realize shout that out Harry, to Harry yeah, Styles. You didn't realize Harry. that Harry, but you, for, you did this for us. Thank you. <laughs> Is there anything else that you'd like our listeners and our viewers to know um, that, that I hadn't thought to ask? Uh, any last parting words before we close out the segment? Socials, alleytaproom.com is my website. Yeah. We're on TikTok as La Ronda, L-E. This is our oh, celebrity fun. name, You're the, La Ronda. The Bragelina. <laughs> yeah. kind of exactly. 2723, uh, La Ronda 2723 on TikTok. Both our Instas are mm -hmm. our names, at Leah Wade, at Ronda Research. Actually, my Insta is Ronda Rocks 23. Okay. I think. We'll have that all in the show notes okay. so that once this live broadcast is over, uh, you'll be able to find this particular segment. If you just Google either of your names and put Phoenix Business Radio X, it'll come up in Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Spotify, you know, you name it, Apple, Great. everywhere. So, um, and we'll send that to you. Daryl will give you some instructions on on how to, how to navigate that. But for our listeners, all of the links for the places that you just mentioned will be there as well. Okay. Yeah. Any last thoughts for you that you want to make sure we get in? I'm planning on having the book released 
hopefully by the end of spring. Okay. Hopefully by the end of spring. I'm going to hold you to it. I know. That's why I had to put it on record. (laughs) Make sure I get that that done. I plan on having a grand opening very soon, and I will put you both on the guest list. Yes, please do. And listeners and viewers, for those of you who are uh, between the sevens or know people between the sevens, let's make sure that you're keeping an eye out for a space. And again, I really am going to strongly encourage that you connect with Thomas Barr and Kimber Lanning with Local First, Angela Huey. They're all very well dialed in, and we can help find that spot for you. Love mm-hmm. that. Thank yeah. you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much. So great. Truly, you've made my day. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.